We do serve a great God. He's great. He'd have been great no matter what he did. But he was great at the manger. He was great at the cross. And he'll be great when he returns again. So we'll take your Bibles and let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. A very... Is that mine? Luke chapter 2. Very familiar story. We conclude our series, The Wonder of Christmas. If you found Luke chapter 2, let's stand to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read about the birth of our Savior. Beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This was the first registration when Cryenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to their own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and we thank you that you are indeed such a great God. We pray that more than anything else that we will <clears throat> experience the reality of Christmas in our hearts, even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
1993, professional golfer Paul Azinger was on the top of the world. For the previous seven years, he had won every year at least one time. He had won over a half million dollars a year in those seven years. And in 1993, he won three times. He was top ten uh, 12 times he walked away with $1.4 million. He was a young man. He was on the top of the world. $1.4 million that year. 93. 1994 rolled around and he won $13,000. For you see, in December of 1993, he was diagnosed with lymphoma of the scapula of his right shoulder blade. He began to try to manage that. He began to deal with that. And later in his autobiography entitled Zinger, he would write these words, A genuine feeling of fear came over me. I could die of cancer. Then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die anyway, whether from cancer or something else. It was just a question of when. Everything I had accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. It was during this time in 93 that the Bible study teacher on the pro tour, Larry Moody, gave him what I, when I read this as I was reading the story, I'll tell you it'll stay with me. This statement will stay with me until I die. Larry told Paul, he said, Paul, He said, we're not in the land of the living, headed for the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying, trying to get to the land of the living. Now, I'll just complete that story by telling you that Paul went through his treatments. He's now now competing on the seniors tour. I will tell you that uh, 2000, 2001, both of those years, he earned more money than he did in 93. So God was good to him. God blessed him. But his struggle with cancer, his brush with death, changed his perspective on life. Let me quote him again. I've made a lot of money since I've been on the tour, and I've won a lot of tournaments. But that happiness is always temporary. The only way you will ever have true contentment is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that nothing ever bothers me or that I don't have problems. But I feel like I found the answer to that six-foot hole. I gained a great deal of respect for Paul Azinger in 1999 as he stood in Orlando First Baptist Church and spoke for 22 minutes at the memorial service of his best friend, Payne Stewart, whom we all watched that dreadful event with the plane crash back in 99. As I went back and reviewed his remarks, I was struck by one thing that he said repeatedly as he was trying to communicate Payne's new life in Jesus Christ. He kept saying, if he said it once, he said it a dozen and a half times, he said, only God can do that because only God can change hearts. 
Today we come to this last message, the reality of Christmas. I tell the story of Payne Stewart because I believe he discovered, I believe he's discovered through his struggle the reality of Christmas, which is Jesus has come. And he's come to make a difference in our lives. He's come to change hearts. As I read this story about the shepherds, I dare say that no group ever had the reality of Christmas up in their faces like the shepherds did. I mean, think about it. Think about it. These were normal, regular people. I mean, sheep, pastors, sleeping under the stars, that was all their reality until this night. And on this night, things changed. So I just want to walk through your experience with, with you <coughs> in a way that will help us get a handle on it and then see what they did and what we should do. When I think about the shepherds, what, I, what, I, what comes to my mind is divine information. I mean, here they are, they're, they're normal people. I, I call it divine information because it was a divine message from a divine messenger from the divine one. Here these guys are out on the, out on the countryside, stinky sheep. So what they knew, that was their reality. They stayed away from their family. And, and, and this night, it might have been star study, but all of a sudden, I want you to think about this, out in the pasture, stars, sheep, quiet, and all of a sudden, a light from heaven. Now, have you ever thought about that? To me, when I read it, the closest thing I can get, you forgive me, is the X-Files. Or maybe there was a movie years ago made, 1993, entitled Fire in the Sky, where a guy was supposed to be abducted. And when they made the movie, the, the promo was him standing there in the light, just frozen. Can you imagine what you would have done had you been on that hillside and all of a sudden light from heaven you wouldn't and, and then there's somebody in the light so you wouldn't know whether it was an alien or, or an angel but you say you're being silly am i really if you were out there how would it strike you and then all of a sudden the angel begins to speak, and I would dare say that it kind of belayed things, belayed their concerns just a little bit. You see, these, these shepherds, they were not the smartest. They were not the most educated. They didn't have the most money. They were just normal, hardworking, get-your-hands-dirty people. And now all of a sudden, here is this light. Here is an angel giving them this message. Folks, it didn't take a brain surgeon back then to know that the world was in trouble, the world needed help, the shepherds knew it, people knew it, and all of a sudden, here are the angels. And they're giving them some information. What's that? What is that information? You can find it there. Unto you. Uh, yeah, we better not forget this part. Fear not. Hello. There'd have been a lot of fear on that mountainside. Are y'all okay today? It's a little bit warm in here, so I'm afraid most of you have drifted off to sleep because you kind of got warm. Fear not. That's helpful. I bring you good news of great joy. Well, I'm glad of that. I don't want you down here giving me bad news because I may not be here anymore. That'll be for all people. And here's the news. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What a message. What? We take it for granted. But may I just say this to you? The truth is, just like the shepherds, one day 
you became the holder of divine information. One day, somebody told you that a Savior was born in Bethlehem. One day, somebody told you about those three events in his life that we just sang about. His birth, his death and resurrection, and his ascension. One day, somebody told you that. It could have been a preacher preaching a sermon. It could have been a Sunday school teacher. It could have been your parents. It could have been your friends. It could have been an acquaintance. It could have been an enemy. And for some of you, it might even be today is the first time you've heard about Jesus. But wherever you are and whoever you are, at some point you became the, the holder, the bearer of that divine information. That there's a Savior come to earth. And that Savior is not just the Savior of the world. That Savior wants to be your Savior. Well, I move on with the story and I move from the divine information to the divine invitation. Now, admittedly, I don't hear a direct invitation. As I read this, I hear a, an implied invitation. Now, somebody want to know what an implied is? Let me tell you what. When that telemarketer calls you, or that salesman calls you on the phone, and if you don't know this, this would be worth your price for admission today. They are taught, salespeople are taught to assume consent. And so what they do is they go, where can I send this to? Have you ever had that happen? That's what they're taught to do. Burns me up. If you want to know what ruffles your pastor's feathers, I hate for somebody to assume an implied consent when it has to do with my pocketbook. Could I get an amen? amen. You see, but here you never hear, you never read, uh, the Savior is born and, and you ought to go see it. Or, or, or this is your big chance to see it. Or you're invited to the birth of a king. You never see that there. It's implied because, because the angel, this is funny. After he says, the Savior who is Christ the Lord, verse 12, he says, and this will be a sign for you. And I'm thinking, why do I need a sign? Am I going somewhere? He says, this will be a sign for you. And then he says, you will find the baby. Well, I guess we're going somewhere. You'll find the baby wrapped in those swaddling cloth clothes. And, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking that they're, after the angels leave, they say, we better go. I'm thinking that they've realized that God had given them a divine assignment to go and do something. To go and see this baby, to go encounter this one that was sent from heaven. Brothers and sisters, please listen. Just like the shepherds were given divine information that contained a divine invitation, God has given us the same invitation to come and see, come and experience Jesus. During His ministry, Jesus said, Come to Me, all of you who labor and are burdened and are heavy laden. If you'll come to Me, I'll give you rest. You see, folks, people on the outside of Christ are laboring to do their best. They are just wanting to do their best. Many people, many times people on the inside of Christ, we just try to do our best and hope for the best. And what we do is we become weary. We become heavy laden. We become burnt out. 
And this invitation is to seek Jesus. Come to Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus left heaven, sent from heaven, came to earth seeking you. The reality of Christmas is that if you will seek Jesus, He will come to you and He will give you rest and peace in your soul. Now, I understand theologically. Come on, theologues. Let's don't ruin Christmas. I understand the Holy Spirit works in us to bring us to Jesus, just like Acts chapter 2. But listen, I don't know anybody that's started toward Jesus that started without the Spirit of God drawing them. And I don't know anybody that ever started toward Jesus that Jesus pushed away. You see, the reality of Christmas is that we have this invitation to the manger, this invitation to the Son. Shepherd said, okay, let's go check this out. Angel said, he's expecting us to go, we better go. So then the third part of what you see here is their divine revelation. Their divine revelation. What is the revelation? Watch this. I've always loved this verse. It says, verse 16, and they came with haste. Does everybody know what haste means? It's not paste with an H. Haste means they came quickly, that they hurried, that they had the Word of God, that they had this message from the angels, and they made a beeline. I want to say this to us, folks. Too often in the 21st century church, we don't do anything in haste. We drag our freaks. We procrastinate. Why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? They came with haste. They didn't want to waste any time. And you know the great revelation they found Mary and Joseph, and they found that baby lying in a manger. They found everything just like the angels had said. You come to Jesus, here's your revelation. You'll find everything just like God has said. You'll find Him to be your friend. You'll find Him to be your Savior. You'll find Him to be your Lord. You'll find Him to be your King. Oh. You'll find everything you need in Jesus. They came, they believed, they trusted, and they were overwhelmed. I know some of you are looking forward to opening some of those gifts under the tree, and you think that's the reality of Christmas. Let me tell you, the greatest gift that you can have this Christmas is that you really find Jesus. Not a church, although this is a good one. Not a tradition. Not even a belief system. Not a fairy tale. Not a religious activity. Not some set of rules. But Jesus. If you find Jesus, some of those things will fall into place. If you find Jesus, you'll find the one in the manger. The one who left heaven and came to earth to save you. The one who God sent for you. And when you find him, he will do for you what he did for the shepherds. He'll save you. By the way, you don't meet up, you don't meet face-to-face with the God of the universe and not be changed. I don't think I need to be changed. Well, you need to talk to God about that. You need to talk to God about that. Because he says that he'll make us a new creature and a new life. So if you find Jesus, then what happens? Now let me just, for the last few minutes, let me just tell you what the shepherds did. Let me tell you what the shepherds did and what we should do. They came. They believed. 
And then if you look down in verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned. They returned. That's simple. Oh, Brother Jerry, that's, that's trite. Well, the truth is, there are many people that don't want to come to Jesus today because they think they're going to go off the deep end, think they're going to get weird, they think they're going to be sent to a, a, a monastery or a seminary worse. You know what the truth is? These guys returned to their lives. They returned to their families. They returned to their sheep. They returned to the pastures. They returned to the starry sky. But you know what? I would guess they never looked at that starry sky quite the same. I bet they never felt like they were alone again out in the country. Because, you see, their lives were changed from the inside out. They now traded the mundane work of shepherding for the message of the Master. Because not only did they just return, but they rejoiced. They rejoiced. You know, you rejoice when something happens to you. I mean, can I just, I was thinking about this as I sat there, as I sat there, they, and they rejoiced, is that as I sat there thinking and, and praying about it, I thought, how long has it been? So I'll ask you this. You don't have to answer this as a rhetorical question. How long has it been since you found someone so happy that it was irritating? I mean, they just so bubbly and so happy, and you go, you know, you better watch it. I'm going to punch you in the chops. You know, things are really not that good. But here's what happened after the experience at the, at the manger with the baby. The shepherds returned, and they were rejoicing. They were, they were telling people uh, about God's plan. They were, they were rejoicing. They returned home. They praised God. They did everything that you would expect somebody happy to do. When you read this, verse 20, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now watch this. That last phrase is a dead giveaway. Here, they weren't just happy. I tell you what I have seen before. Have you seen this? I've seen people who were happy for no good reason. They're just happy just because they want to be happy. They're happy about being happy. They just, you know, it's kind of... It gets on your nerves a little bit, if y'all know what I mean. And yet they had experienced Jesus. They had experienced God's gift to them. They had experienced the one that was sent from heaven. He had an earthly mother, but he had a heavenly father. So there was something different about him. And they returned singing his praises. They returned, and people looked, go, kind of looked at him a little weird and go, Y'all guys, y'all lost your mind or something? Because they were rejoicing. But they not only returned, not only rejoiced, but the third thing they did, they revealed. They revealed everything that they had seen and heard. Let's see what the Scripture says. It's back up in about verse, um, back up in about verse 17. And when they saw it, that would be the manger, that would be Jesus and Mary. Verse 17 says, They made known the saying that had been told them, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. See, they were telling the truth. I love that part because the shepherds have now got excited about Jesus, have gotten excited about the Savior coming to the world, excited about the one being sent from heaven. 
And they shared the message. Dear folks, the reality of Christmas is, we'll never change, that our job, please listen, because you're going to hear a lot about it in the next six weeks, our job as a church is not to gather in a holy huddle cuddling each other. Our job is to reveal the gospel story to everyone we encounter. Our job is to get out of this building. The reality of Christmas is that, is that God has come to earth and we need to tell it. We're the holders of the sacred chalice of this gospel story. But I want to tell you this. We can, we can reveal the story. We can tell the story. And people only have two decisions. Now, I want you to hear this. If you've heard the story, you only have two, you only have two options. You can receive it or reject it. You can receive it or reject it. You reject it when you refuse to trust Jesus. But you not only reject Jesus, what you're going to reject is you're going to reject your home in heaven. You reject the message of Jesus when you delay your decision. Oh, Brother Jerry, I know what I need to do, but I'll wait till another day. Well, that's rejecting Jesus. You reject Jesus when you ignore your need. Oh, I'm pretty good. I, you know, I'm as good as a preacher. I just want to say this to you. If that is your defense today, you have set a mighty low bar because I know the preacher. Well, I'm as good as Van Huey. That might not be quite as low as the preacher, but that's still not a very good bar. You see, when, you, when we refuse to... To acknowledge our condition, we reject the message of Christ. It's only when we receive without hesitation, without reservation. When we believe Jesus is who he said he was, that he came to do what he says he he does, and we trust him as our personal Lord and Savior, it is only then that we receive the message. The reality of Christmas is that Jesus has come. And that he, those to whom that he's come to, we need to know it and show it and share it. Our world, have you been watching television? Our world's in a mess. Yesterday in this town, we were having rehearsal yesterday morning for the program tonight. Candy came in and said, we need to, tell our folks that there's a funeral going on over here on Brook Lane of a gang member, and there was a shooting the night before the police has asked us to stay off Brook Lane. Our world's in a mess, folks. And it's not in Los Angeles or New York or some other place. It's right here. Country needs a change. Community needs a change. Quite likely our church needs some change. And at Christmas time. Many people have a heart that needs a change. And only God can do that because only God can change a heart. Has he changed yours? Have you met the maybe of Bethlehem? Do you follow the Christ of the cross? Have you been to the tomb of the lamb who was slain? Are you looking forward to the return of the Lamb of glory? I just want to say this to you. 
Yeah, I can't wait to see them. Well, you know what? I've spent my adult life behind the pulpit trying to, trying to share the gospel, trying to tell people about Jesus. And I would not be so bold as to say, I'm looking forward to my first encounter with God. Because I dare say he's going to look through me with those eyes of fire. And those things that have not pleased him, those things will be burned up. As I think about reality, you think about things that are real. Things that we can put our hands on. And Jesus is one of those things. I began with message story about Paul Azinger. I spent a good bit of time reading about Paul and pain. And I re-listened to what Paul said at Payne's funeral. By the way, it was kind of a memorial service because I don't think there were any remains left for Robert Fraley, Van Orden, and Payne Stewart. Let me read what Payne some of his closing remarks. It's an honor to stand before you as Payne Stewart's, Robert Fraley, and Van Arden's friend. And because I knew them so well, I know what they would have wanted me to say in my closing remarks. Whoever you are, wherever you are, and whatever you have done, if you feel the tug of God's Spirit on your heart, do not turn away. If like Payne, Robert, and Van, you want to know the happiness and peace that only Jesus Christ can bring, I invite you to confess your sin and receive him as your Savior. Regardless of what your life has brought you, his love is enough. And his peace is for real. I remind you, we are not in the land of the living, headed for the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying, trying to get to the land of the living. And that's what Christmas is all about. Because Jesus is the only way to the land of the living. Do you know him? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that if there's someone here that's never met your son, I pray that today will be the day. I pray that now will be the time. And I pray that Christmas will take a reality of its own because we depend on you. Because we trust you. Because we need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. And when we stand to sing, altar's open. You need to come do some business with God. You can come kneel. 
I'll be here. If you've never invited Christ into your life, I'll be here to talk with you. If you'd like to unite with this church, I'll be here to talk with you. If you'd just like your pastor to pray with you, I'll be here. Let's stand. Let's sing. And you come on the first word of the song. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is slow. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me. We're going to pause for a second and have prayer. Devon has a son, Matthew, that's in the Air Force, and they found a mass on his kidney. They're going to do some tests this week, and they have called us to pray. Would you bow with me right now? Father, I lift this young man to you. You know what's going on in his body. I pray that you will be the great physician. And I pray that you will touch him and that you will do a work in him, physical work in him, to where the doctors are even amazed. I pray that you'll bring him back to to health. We know that you can do it. We can't, but you can. I pray for a mother's heart that's so concerned. I pray that you'll just allow your spirit to wrap around her entire soul, comfort her, Help us remember that you're the one who is the great physician, that you're the one that orders our our steps and our days. We trust you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. Tonight's going to be a special night. I pray that you'll plan to be here. Uh, Choir and everybody who is in the cast, that's cast, crew, technicians, everybody, 5 o'clock at the church. Uh, Doors open about 5.30. If you want to start coming at 6 o'clock, we're going to have our children to sing. It's going to be a great thing. They'll be right up. They just did such a great job, and our adults will sing at 6, and we're going to have a great time together. I pray that you will plan to be back. As is our custom, we will not have any services this Wednesday night. So I uh, uh, hope you have uh, a joyous Christmas. Thank you to many of you who have expressed your appreciation. I know to me, I think I could probably speak, speak for the staff also, those who have expressed your love and appreciation to us in tangible ways, we are deeply appreciated and humbled and honored by your, by your gifts of love. Um, 
Carol Sullivan asked me to tell you, you remember me, we didn't get to make this last time, and we had to put out even a phone tree for you to decorate the church, those who likes to help. Carol grabbed me, and she said, Saturday morning at 10, Saturday morning at 10, we're going to undecorate the church. So I'm going to have the police sitting out here just to make sure there's no vandalism goes on. You understand? No, I'm just teasing. But she's telling you, she wants you to know that, so if you'd like, if you would come help her uh, take the, down the, um, the greenery and all, uh, we'll have a great time together. Just, um, in fact, the last time we did that, I heard, when I heard Kathy play, and she played for our, our music service. So, all right. You young people did a uh, ministry. No, y'all did the T-shirts yesterday, didn't you? T-shirts yesterday. Last week they did the ministry, and it went very well. So let's uh, be mindful of those around us. Um, I don't think we have anything else because uh, this is a, kind of a, a week that we honor Christ and we take some time off. Let's stand together, if you will. We're going to sing something with. Let's see. We are singing the chorus of Jesus Messiah. Jesus Messiah, name of the Lord. Hey, buddy. Y'all get back. Get back. That's great. 